the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Only just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you Sorry, Lord, for the things I made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Kingdom endless word, no one could express how much you deserve. Is not what you have required. You search much deeper within the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. Jesus, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
I want to start with a little word association. You know, where a person says something, and then you're supposed to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Jesus. Somebody was listening this morning. All right, I'm going to give you some props for that. Anything else? You know, most of the time when, when I think of Jesus, I think of his divine side, the God side, the exalted side. You know, the Bible uses a lot of uh, great names for Jesus. He's, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the light of the world. He's the bright and morning star. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. All these exalted names. But yet the name that is used most often is simply the name Jesus. 600 times in the Gospels alone, he is referred to simply as Jesus. Because when the name Jesus is spoken, it should make us think of the other side of him. You know, when I did the uh, word association at the first service, you know, I heard all those same things. And then, but no one said, man, Jewish guy. So thanks for helping me out, Greg. I appreciate it. Because um, that's not what we think of. When we think of Jesus, we think of Savior, Lord. But yet he's also a man. In fact, one of the first uh, heresies, as they called it, or false teachings they had to deal with in the church were people who did not believe that Jesus was actually human because they just didn't comprehend in their mind how God could become a man. And since they couldn't understand it, it must not be true. That's the arrogance we have sometimes, isn't it? If I don't know it, if I can't understand it, it must be wrong. They thought somehow it was like one of those science fiction movies where an alien comes to earth and just assumes someone's human form. They take over their body. And, and they, they thought that that's what God did. God came to earth and just said, I'm going to be human. Now I'm this human form. <laughs> that's not what he did. In fact, God said, I'm going to start from scratch. What's the lowest form of a human? A baby. We'll start there. In fact, we won't just be a baby. We'll be an embryo in a woman's womb. We'll go to the very beginning of human life, and we'll start there. We talk about Jesus being God because he was born through the Holy Spirit. He also has human DNA. In fact, if you were to have run a blood test on Jesus, he would have seemed quite normal. In Matthew 121, the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
Joseph was having a real hard time understanding this whole immaculate conception thing. <laughs> you know, he's, he's betrothed to Mary to be his wife, and she comes up pregnant. And he's like, what does this mean? And she said, well, you're not going to believe it, but I'm pregnant by God. Really? <laughs> and, and so he's struggling with this. So in a dream, Gabriel appears to him and explains it. And he ends by saying, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we read that and think, Jesus, that what a special, honored name he was given. But Jesus, in Jesus' day, was a very common, ordinary name. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I mean, Jesus was to them what Mike or Tom or Bob or Bill or Jim or Joe would be today. When Jesus' teacher was writing on the blackboard a math problem and said, Jesus, do you know the answer? Three kids spoke up. If Jesus were born today... He would have had one of those common names. Let's say he would have been Bob. The only problem is that would mess up our songs, wouldn't it? That one we sang earlier, Bob, 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 there's just something about that name. I, it loses some. Or, or when you pray, and I pray this in Bob's name, amen. You know, it, doesn't it lose something? But yet... In Jesus' day, that's exactly what it was. When the angel told Joseph, you will give him the name Jesus, he didn't go, whoa, Jesus, that's, no one's ever had that name. That's special, that's unique. He's like, really, Jesus? <laughs> and back then, you know, the thing now is if you have a common name, you give it a weird spelling to make it unique. So today it might be J-I-C-U-S. You know, that's, you got to spell it different to make it unique. But no, they didn't do that. Jesus was just a common guy with a common name. And we don't think about that. We get so focused on the divine nature of Christ, our Savior and Lord, that I think we lose sight of the fact that in many ways, he was an average, ordinary man. The Bible says there was nothing special about him. His appearance. He said if he walked through a shopping mall, you wouldn't even notice him. And why does that matter? It matters because I find a lot of people can't relate to Jesus. Because when they hear the name Jesus, they think of Son of God. I can't relate to that. But what if they thought of Jesus as Jewish guy? Someone who began life just like they did. Now, this is going to sound irreverent. But when Jesus was born, he pooped his diapers. 
Did you know that? So doesn't that sound wrong to say that? Jesus did that. He burped. When he worked with his dad in the carpentry shop, he got splinters in his hand. When he was a teenager, he battled acne. He was a person. He experienced all the things that we experience, the physical ailments, the emotional trauma. He, he understood what it meant to have people reject you. He knew what it was like to be bullied. He knew how it felt to have people close to you turn against you. He knows what it feels like when, you know, last week we were talking about the last straw thing. He knows what it's like to have so much piled on you that you feel like you're going to break. He knew that because he was a man. And that's important because when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you don't know where to turn or who to turn to, when you're experiencing these things that Greg was talking about earlier, what the, what the youth of our community are experiencing right now with the death of a friend and fellow student. It's hard to turn to Jesus, Son of God. But I can find hope and help in Jesus, the man. The writer of Hebrews was alluding to this when he said that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And, and that word sympathize, it doesn't mean he feels sorry for us. Like, oh, you poor humans going through so much hurt and trouble. I'm sorry. When it says he sympathizes with us, it means he knows our pain. He feels our hurt. Why? Because he wasn't just son of God. He was Jesus. The man, Jesus. He experienced everything in this life that you and I have except for one, sin. And that brings us to the second part of what Gabriel told Joseph. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus had to come into the world as a man so that he could live a life that he could then sacrifice. Lived a perfect life. He had the perfect resume. And yet the whole purpose of his perfection was sacrifice. That doesn't sound fair, does it? That doesn't sound right. It's not. But God didn't do it because it would be considered fair and right. God did it for one reason and one reason only. He loves us. 
And he couldn't stand the thought of being eternally separated from his human creation. And he said, I will move heaven and earth to change that. Satan, you may have them for a time, but you may not have them for eternity. And I can just see old, old Satan there saying, well, you can't help it. You messed up. You gave them free will. And as soon as you gave them free will, I said, they're mine. Because I know how to twist them. I know how to deceive them. I know how to make them buy the lie. And I'll get just about every one of them. But he didn't count on one thing. He didn't count on God doing something so unthinkable as becoming a man. Fully a man. So that he could live a life that could then be sacrificed for us to take our punishment. Do you ever get punished or in trouble for something you didn't do? When I was growing up, that happened to me all the time. I was always getting yelled at and punished for things that got spilt or broken or messed up in my sister's room or talking at school. I never did any of it. You believe me, don't you? Okay, I, I did a little bit. <laughs> Do you know, I only got paddled one time. Yes, I'm old enough to be in the paddling phase of school, you know, when they could do that. I only got paddled one time, and that was in the fourth grade. And I was innocent. I, I was. I talked, I talked a lot in school. Can you imagine that? I, I got in trouble for talking a lot, and the teacher had threatened me pointed that finger in my face and said, Roger, you talk out one more time. You're going down to the principal's office. And we all know what that meant. The death penalty. <laughs> Actually, it was just getting paddled with like a ping pong paddle, but it wasn't a, you know, it seemed like that to us. And the kid next to me started bah, 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 to the kid next to him. And the teacher whips around looked straight at me. I hadn't said a word. And said, Roger, down to the office. But I knew no matter how much I pled my innocence, she wasn't going to buy it, even though it was true. So I got paddled for something I did not do. And as I was bemoaning the injustice of it all and how unfair it was, a thought came to me. Yeah, but you've gotten away with it 20 times already. So shut up and take it. <laughs> and that's what Jesus did. Jesus got punished for what I did. And the night before he died, he was starting to feel the unfairness of it. He was starting to feel the injustice of it. And he said, Father, 
I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm starting to foresee uh, and, and begin to feel what's going to happen to me tomorrow. And I don't like it. And I don't want it. I didn't do it. <laughs> Why should I have to die? For what they did. And once again, God said, there's only one reason, son. We love them. And if you love them, you got to do it. Otherwise, we're going to lose them forever. And Jesus said, if not, not my will, but your, yours be done. And he did. The ordinary man, Jesus, came into this world so that the Son of God, Jesus, could do what the man could not do. See, that's why there had to be both sides to Jesus. You know, why couldn't he just be man or just be God? Because the mission required both. He had to be a human so that he could live the life that the Son of God could then sacrifice for us. It takes both parts. I don't understand it either. How can God be a man? I don't know. I don't have to know. That's the beauty of our faith. You do not have to understand it all. You just have to be willing to accept that God is smarter than you are. And he understands it. And I'll just accept it and believe it. There's an old bumper sticker you used to see on the back of people's cars. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Have you ever seen that? I always thought we should cut out the middle part. God said it, that settles it. <laughs> I mean, if I believe it, that's great, but it, whether I believe it or not doesn't change the reality or the truth of it. God said it, God did it, that settles it. And the day's going to come when that common, ordinary name of Jesus is going to be the most hallowed and honored name in the universe. Because in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says that God has given him the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what that means? That means someday, everybody, everybody, no matter what you have thought about Jesus, felt about Jesus, believed about Jesus, everybody that's still on this planet when Jesus returns is going to be on their knees and their lips are going to utter the name. The common, ordinary name of Jesus. Some are going to utter it in praise and thanksgiving as they receive their Lord. But others are going to utter it in terror and fear. When the thought comes fully to their mind, I was wrong.
So the next time you say the name Jesus, think about both parts. Jesus the man and Jesus the Lord, the Savior. And when you're hurting, when you feel lost, alone, when, when you need someone to reach out to, all you got to do is call on Jesus because he knows, he understands, he cares because he loves. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that you gave the name Jesus to Jesus. You didn't give him some high, exalted, special name. You gave him a common, ordinary name because he was going to grow up as a common, ordinary man. And even once he began his mission, people found that they could relate to him because he was like them. People followed him around. People sought him out. People wanted to be around him. People asked him to bless their children. And Father, I pray that we too shall seek him, shall call upon him, will follow him. Both the man and the Savior. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. There are four basic facts that make up the gospel. Jesus was born. He died. He rose. He's coming again. In between those, there's a lot of other stuff, but those are the four basic things. And that's what he asks you to believe. He asked you to believe that he did come into this world as a man. That he did sacrifice his life on the cross for your sins. That he did rise again for the forgiveness of your sins and your eternal salvation. And that someday he is coming back. You may not understand all the in-between stuff. But if you can accept and believe those four things then you're ready to open your heart to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And each week during this time of invitation, we, we give you a chance to do that. We're going to stand and sing here in a minute. When we do, I'm going to ask you to come, to let me pray with you, to let me lead you in a simple, what we call a confession of faith that simply says, I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism. And you will be one of those people that will call upon the name of Jesus with praise and gratitude when he comes. Let's stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 266, verses 1 and 2.